When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Another episode of Conduits of Trouble. Judd Zolgad, Chip Scoggins, Jonathan Harrison uh, producing as always. And before we get to the sports topics of the week, Chipper, I want to ask you a question. Yes. How difficult is it for a Missouri Tiger <laughs> to be putting on Kansas Jayhawk apparel? Yeah, it felt weird. Uh, my my MU guys didn't care for it too much on Twitter when I threw that out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a KU dad now, so I've got to wear some KU apparel on. I will say the the KU colors are like my high school colors. Yep. And Missouri's colors were the colors of my of the rival high school in in my town. So it's weird that it was reversed when I went to school, right? So yep. I, I hated those colors growing up, the Missouri Tiger colors. And then all of a sudden, that's my school, and and uh, KU were, was the enemy. But um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a KU dad, so I got to wear some KU gear now. So your your daughter's going to KU yeah. in the yeah. fall. Now, are you going to become a KU fan because it's a gorgeous uh, campus and the basketball now the football I do like basketball yeah now the football I hey, don't blame you one bit but at football I might crazy last miles is the coach now <laughs> that's a good point okay football might be fun this year actually you know what that's a column right there I know you're down there you can go talk to Les it'll be fantastic I know. and Les can now tell you exactly how badly he wanted that gopher job before <laughs> they know. gave it to PJ Fleck I know I uh I should I should parlay uh a trip down to see my daughter into uh, some work, you know, pick up a story. But I, 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 I do like KU basketball. I like Bill Self. I like, you know, uh, when we took her on a our unofficial visit uh, a couple summers ago, my family, uh, I think, snuck in or illegally broke into Allen Fieldhouse and kind of looked. Oh through. yeah, well, we found a janitor that college, who, yeah, that's, who, uh, that's fair game. Who left who left the door open and uh, it's such a cool place and the museum that they have there with it. And somebody literally, some booster literally bought like the rules of basketball for millions of dollars or whatever. And they have a, a cool display on a wall there, like the official rules of basketball. Really? It's, it's awesome. And then their hall of fame room is, is, is really cool. So, uh, but yeah, I took my daughter down there, um, this week for freshman orientation and, um, so yeah, I, I think, I guess I'll probably have to be a fan, which is weird. Thinking they were the enemy, right? When well, I was yeah. In school. But for basketball, I could make that transition. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's as I told my boss, I might have to sneak down for some big Monday games down there. Absolutely, you know? yeah, absolutely. If, if I had so, if I had a list, a bucket list of uh, college basketball uh, arenas that I'd like to go to, KU's on there for sure. Yes, Cameron Indoor it done it. Yeah, uh, the play, the Palestra in Philadelphia. Yeah, would would be cool. UCLA probably UCLA UCLA yeah uh, is is now is Pauley Pavilion 
is it special to and, and I know that I know we yeah. coach there, so that but as far as its I don't know uniqueness, is there anything I, I've about never, it? I, I've the never, cluster's just super old. Yeah. But it's also, you know, got all that because of that it's got all the history. Yeah, I've never been to Poly. I assume I would think that you'd have like you know, all the banners in the Hall of Fame type room that's or area that's pretty cool. Do you remember when the Final Four came through here in two thousand one? Like at the Star Tribune, we did a big series back when you know you could you could do these things. Travel budget was no travel budget problem. was no problem. Yeah, so we did ship go to Hawaii. We, we did basketball, Hawaii baseball. We'd like to hear about <laughs> it. Why don't you book your trip to Hawaii? The Rainbow Basketball. Get to know it here. You, we did basketball across America, and we there was like seven riders, and we just fanned out and went and did. Like I went to uh, I went to Connecticut and did because. Both the men's and women's programs were great, right? So yep. I did a story. We went to Connecticut, Philadelphia, Tobacco Road, um, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State. This was right after the the plane crash with oh, Bill, yeah. Bill Hancock's son. Sure, the radio, the um, and and a couple uh, support staff. We went to uh, I think UCLA. There was like. 10 spots we went to and just did big stories. And I think we hit all like the traditional, you know, uh, like we were saying, sure. the, the bucket list, so to speak, of college basketball. It was really cool. But yeah, I've been to Cameron Indoor several times. Obviously, I worked down there. So I've been more than several, been there a number of times, and it's as good as advertised. How cool, it, how cool it's is awesome. That when you walk in there, you're like, ah, this is a high school gym. I'm like, no, you're running two players. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, in, you, you would be stunned by how small it is. Like when you literally walk in there, like when you when you're on the outside of it, you can't tell that that's a basketball arena. I mean, you wouldn't think that that this is where they play college basketball. And then when you get in there, the bleachers are just like literally right on top of you, and it's in a small and it it would look like if you didn't know what it was, you would think maybe Division three, Division two, just by, based on the size. Right. I don't know what it sees. Maybe ten thousand. I don't know. It just looks incredibly it, yeah. cool. But and when the it's packed, being it's, on top, yeah, top of the players, and if you're an opposing player, it would be. I would believe completely intimidated. Well, it's yeah. I was down there this year um, with us having the Final Four again. We wanted to do a big story on Shashevsky's ties to Minneapolis because he, he's won two national titles here. Obviously, Tyus and Trey, and um, so three of his was it five? Yeah, national titles have some kind of Minnesota connection. And uh, so I was down there for a game in February. They played St. John's. Uh, Chris Mullen, you know the coach, but yep. It is amazing. You forget how, like, when you're at press row, you cannot. Once you get in, you're in. There's you can't get out um, until halftime. What if you have to so go to the bathroom? Really you're, you hold it because you're like literally scoot your chair in as far as it can to your to your table, okay. and then imagine someone their back right up against or their stomach right up against your back, and that's how it is. The fans and they're like breathing over your, and they'll read your story or they'll you know. Wow. And then they do the things where they hold their yeah, arms. It's like it, yeah. their Hands arms are, are out, coming out from your head. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy how tight it is in there. Interesting. Yeah, you, like no you cannot you cannot bud. You can't move once you're in there. You're in there. <laughs> and then at halftime, you got to try to wiggle. You have to like step over the press row to get out. So what? Not to be rude here, but what happens if you're yeah. a, a big portly it's, sports writer? It's tough. I was, <laughs> tough well, tough. You're, you're not that. Big. I'm saying like you watch from the press room. There have been people bigger than us who have yeah. covered games. Yeah, it's Way it's than uh, us. and I it, you know wow. I was talking to a guy because when I was there, a guy from the Wall Street Journal was there, and uh, and we were just talking about. Could you imagine like covering this game 
on deadline where you've got to write because I didn't have it was a day game and I wasn't writing live so I didn't have my computer out there but you're, there's no I don't you know credit to those beat guys they have to do it on a nightly basis where because you have no working space to write from those games and the people who are reading the story behind oh you they can read some, it yeah that'd be somewhat um, yeah disconcerting bad line <laughs> yeah bad, yeah how dare you rip that guy that's my kid yeah S O B yeah so so we are uh, taping this on Wednesday. And I, I was at the Twins last night. Full disclosure, I badly violated a Judd childhood rule. Uh-oh. As a kid, I never left games early. Like, yeah. I would stay. I'd beg my parents, Let's, yeah. I want to stay, I want to stay. Uh, and the Tuesday night Twins game against the Red Sox at Target Field went 17 innings. My scorecard ran out chipper after 13, and I said, peace out. <laughs> That's I'll it. See you later. Because FR, yeah, I'm yeah. going home to bed. You're on your own. Um, but you know what is remarkable? So so the Twins were down in that game a couple times, came back uh, to win. What's remarkable is this. The uh, Twins have had five two-game losing streaks at yeah. different periods this season. They are the only team in baseball, and we are almost to July 1, not to lose three consecutive. Yeah, it's, I mean. That's out, that is, think about that for a while. Well, that's. To me, that it says a couple things. One, um, your lineup's so good that you're going to, you know, even if you if, if a team holds you down for a couple games, you're probably going to break out and, and score. But also your pitching, right? That your pitching's been good enough where it's, you have some stoppers in there. Yeah. Where whether it's Barrios or Odorizzi or whoever, that Gibson. Hey, it was uh, it was David Price against Michael Pineda last and, night, and you're thinking that's probably a loss, right? Yeah, I thought to myself, well, this this could be bad, and Pineda was. I've, I'm fine. sort of Absolutely. how many now? How many is this? Three or four good starts in a row for Pineda. Would have to look that up, but I can do that. I think it's because I, I was at a point Judd earlier where he'd had a couple there in a row where it just like okay, this is. You know, maybe if they go get a starter, he's going to be a bullpen guy. But right now, you're starting to think, okay, maybe he's. You know, there, there still may be some ebbs and flows, but um, he's knocking the rust off, or that. You know, maybe this thing's trending in the right direction for well, him. They say, you know, when when you come back from Tommy John, it takes that year to come back. Yeah, and then it takes a while, and then after that, it takes a while for you to find your pitches again. So that that could be, be the case. I thought. I thought when the Twins were at Yankee Stadium, would that have been in May, I believe? Yeah. And Jim Cott was working the game on Fox Sports North. I thought his point was the best point, which is Pineda is so big that his legs go. And so it, yeah. so by the time, at that point in time, Cott was, was saying by the time he gets to, let's say, the fifth, yeah. he really starts to lose it. And you, you've been in, in the clubhouse and seen him, right? He's an enormous. He, it is amazing how big he is. Miguel Sano looks small, yeah, in my I, opinion, compared I mean, to Michael Pineda. He, he's one of those guys that when you see him in person um, versus TV, you sort of get a sense of it's different, right? You see him in like walking through the clubhouse, well, you you're like, yeah, oh, my you don't goodness, get a, is he big. You don't get the appreciation for him. He's like a tight end. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I think he's, or a, left, different, yeah. I think he's a left tackle. Yeah. I, I used to say that uh, Sano could play left tackle. But he's Pineda's bigger. Pineda's bigger for sure. A uh, Pineda in the month of June has made three starts. Back to your point, uh, and has a two point seven ERA, five earned runs in sixteen and two thirds, fifteen hits, twelve strikeouts, three walks, including pretty, last night. Yeah, it's pretty doggone good. Yeah, and and which is good because Martin Perez at times has regressed a bit as well. Um, I yeah. still would like to see them go get a starting. Well, that's pitcher, that's why I asked you the other day in the clubhouse. Remember, I said if they get another starter, yep. does. 
Perez or Pineda go to the bullpen? Well, I think that's now wait and see. Uh, yeah. I, I Earlier I would have said, you know, obviously when Perez was tearing it up, but yep. but now I'm not so sure he's who not would be more. Who would be more suited to that? That, that becomes well, the other big question here. Probably because, Pineda because he can throw, like if you wanted one or two innings from him and you got a guy, could, does he throw mid-90s, 94? Yeah, he can throw mid-90s, yeah. Um, Yep. If you had shorter, you know, if you said, okay, just cut it loose for two innings, maybe Pineda, but if he's giving you quality starts, I don't know, I'd rush him out to the bullpen. What's your sense, Chip Scoggins, also on on just gut? Do you think they're going to make a move? Because this, this interests me a lot because of the fact that it's now a drop-dead one trade deadline, July yeah. 31st. So I'm really curious to see how, how this start, starts to unfold. And I thought it was interesting that the Mariners and Yankees made that Encarnacion trade. Mm-hmm. Because I don't I think if you if this is a game of musical chairs and you wait too long, I think you might be without you, a chair. Yeah, I think I think at least one reliever, I think you need two. I think starting pitching as would be de- a definite second uh, on that list of, of needs. Because um, if you get to the postseason, how many realistically you need? Three, right? Starters? Yeah. So, yes. yeah, it'd be great if you had Brio, someone else, and an Odorizzi, and, you know, Gibson as, you know. But let's go through the bullpen. I mean, Taylor Rogers, you feel really good about, right? They did that last night, yes. And it, we could do this game by game. You know, you could say there's games where they pop up and they pitch really Absolutely. well, and times yes. they don't. But... Pretend you're in the in the playoffs. Taylor Rogers, you feel good about right? Yep. Trevor May. There's something about him, Joe. I don't I don't know what it is. I mean his stuff. Trevor May, here's here's my feeling on a guy like that. Situationally used correctly, yes, I like him. Yeah. See, I don't think I, I think we always tend, uh, depending on how a guy looked the last time out of the bullpen, yes. be like, "Oh no, no, he's awful!" Don't. Yeah. Or you remember the bad, bad ones? Sure, exactly. Ones. But I, but I think, in my opinion, Trevor May, Blake Parker, if they're spotted right and used in the exact mm-hmm. correct situation, that's fine. But when you get to the playoffs and all hell is breaking loose, and you're like, "We got to rely on you," yeah, and you that's- say that to a guy like Parker, that's where I think you can get into trouble. Yeah, that's and that's what they have to ask themselves is, I mean, you look at Trevor May and he's throwing 96 and it's, you know, he, he can cut it loose. But if it's the eighth inning of a game, whatever, in the playoffs, do you feel like he's going to be able to throw strikes? Or is he going to uh, yes, overthrow? Yes, I'm with you. Totally you know? with you. And that, that, that's where he gets in trouble. His, and if his I bring control. him into the right situation in the playoffs, yep. do I think he can succeed? Absolutely. But what you're saying right there. That concerns me, and that that's where I'd like two bullpen arms. A closer? One really good one that's going to cost you probably a bit. And then it doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be like a dominant name type of guy, but another one who I can at least rely on. Yeah, so... So now you've got Rodgers and Don't you have picks. to go get a closer? Well, it depends on your definition of closer, but in 2019, I think, yes, I think you have to go get a guy who you could put in what, what the kids like to call now high-leverage situations Him and to get Rogers. those huge outs. Yeah, you have lefty-righty, right? Yep. And then that backs everybody up. And then if you add one more, and I'm not saying, but in that Trevor May discussion, yep. so a guy like that, right? So then you'd have four or five that you feel like, okay. You'd be in good shape. You'd be in good shape. 
So I, I think that's more of a now who they are. I don't know, but I think you have to do that. I mean, if they don't do that, they are leaving themselves vulnerable to big time scrutiny. I think. I agree completely with what you just said, but what makes this so intriguing to me is I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, they have I, to, Judd. They can't. They. I'm with you. I'm with you, but I just until I see it, the, their thought process is different enough from how we think. Yeah. That he, here's my feeling. I don't think they're going to touch their top two prospects. I think that Royce Lewis and Alex Kirlov are, as we could talk all we want about, should they? And it's a fun conversation, and I think it's a good conversation. I don't think they're going to touch them. Bruce Dahl Gratterall, their top pitching prospect I'm curious about. But he's hurt, right? He's hurt. He's got a bad shoulder, which obviously causes some concern because shoulders and pitchers are not a good thing to talk about or not a good combination of problems to have. Um, but as far as what these guys, as far as where they deem this team to be, which I think we all agree is a really good team sure. that could use some help. But then what are you willing to trade? That's where I'm really – that's what, that's where yeah. I think it's going to be so interesting to watch this summer unfold in, at Target Field. But imagine if they do nothing and the bullpen costs them games. In a, well, they'll do in something. Playoffs. I just I, – what I'm curious yeah, about is what what, what, something. Yeah. what will they pay to do something? Yeah. And, and is a guy like Bumgarner going to be seriously pursued? My guess is yes, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, I – it's hard to know because we don't have a track record with these guys. Right. And without a track record, you don't – it's just guesswork, really. You know, we think they might do this. We think they might not do this. Well, we know this. what we think they should do. Well, yeah, we, yeah, and everybody has an opinion on the bullpen. But, yeah, but you're right. At what cost? You know, at what – would they be willing to give up one of their top prospects to go get – you know, I think they'll a give top shelf reliever. I don't know. I think they'll give up a guy like Nick Gordon for sure. Yeah, because we they've got in, middle infield, infield depth. Yeah, exactly. And I and and I think that they might be willing to give up another prospect who we're like, oh, that's a pretty good player. But I don't think the top two are going to be touched. And I'm and I yeah. would. And the more I think about this, just from my perspective, and I'm not advocating they shouldn't do that. I just don't think that they will. I, I yeah don't. I I. At first, I said those two are untouchable, but I've come around to to man. This just feels like a special season. Yep. With everything that's happening and the fact that you know you said they haven't lost three games in a row and they're getting unexpected performances from a lot of people, this just feels like one of those stars are aligning type seasons. So rather than banking on the future and hoping prospects turn out, which you don't know, yes. And I mean, like you said, we've talked about there's there's always a risk that if you got rid of these guys, they go and become stars somewhere else. Well, that's why those guys, that's why those executives make the big bucks to, tra- well, and to if, make well, you know gambles. Like and that. if you get to the World Series and and win the World Series, if Who Alex Kirilov yeah. becomes great, do you care? No. If you've got a if you've got a flag, and even and let's if say you got rings, do you care? And even if 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 you got there and don't win it, I don't think people are going to hold it against you for going for it. I don't. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Oh no! I think in this town you'd be applauded. Yeah, I don't. People are starved for. I I think especially that organization that you're right. If they don't do something that is deemed oh. is deemed to be, if they go get a a reliever who were like, oh okay, that, that guy could help a little bit. But if they don't make an impact move, they're going to take heat. They're going to get crushed. Yeah, they're sure. going to take heat. Yeah, and 
it, so it, it was in, it was instructive to me uh, in Charlie Walters' uh, notes column in the Pioneer Press on Sunday. He had a note about the decision not to sign Kimbrell. And it said that, and it's not surprising, but it said that the Twins analytics people essentially deemed that he was worth a two-year and not a three-year contract. And so that sort of goes down the path of how they think, though. Yeah. And that's where, because we're all saying, okay, you know what, though? Again, if Kimbrell comes here and helps you win, and that third year is a bust. It's money. It's, it's money. money. Yeah. But that's, but that's where I'm trying to get into how they might be thinking about yeah. this. And it's, well, very, it's very hard for me to, to wrap my old-school sports baseball mind around the steps they're taking. And I haven't followed how's Kimbrell done since he's... He uh, he actually made his debut uh, in Sacramento pitching for the Iowa Cubs on Tuesday. Okay. So, he, he's, so he's not up yet. And I think Keuchel, I think Dallas Keuchel of your Atlanta Braves, Chip yeah. Scoggins, is going to start on Friday, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it is that, that they weighed or they listened to the analytics guys about probably wear and tear, innings pitch, or whatever. Correct. And, but... And it's easy for me to say it's just money, but it is just money if if it didn't work out, right? I mean, it's not like it's not you don't have a salary cap, you're not giving up prospects, you're not, and it's not eight years, you know, hundred million. It's it's manageable. So, yeah, it, we we figured it was they didn't want to be on the hook for a third year if it goes south, but it'll be interesting to see if now you had the complication though of 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 dra- or of, of of prospects and. How do they value that versus? I mean, I gotta imagine they're gonna dra- value draft picks a lot higher than they would just losing Polad's money if it goes south. You know? I think you just hit it, and that's where it's so hard to figure it out. Yeah, I think you were exactly right. Yeah, and and I don't know that the conversation with uh, Falvey and Levine and the analytics department is what we just said, which is, well, if Kier- if you trade Kirloff and he becomes a star, but but you win a World Series, we don't care. Yeah, I don't think I don't know that's their conversation. And I would love to hear true serum, like because you're never <laughs> you're never going to get it from the manager, like if if there's anything negative that they feel about their bullpen. He came he, close he, to criticizing Polacco for yeah, bunting two nights ago. Quotes. I was thrilled. I, saw I, those I just about hugged him. You almost fainted, huh? I just about hugged him. Yeah, what? What? I mean, I understand Polanco's thinking. I think. Well, it but, was a perfect bunt. It was a perfect old school baseball play, but but. You're the best hitter in pardon baseball. Me, pardon <laughs> me, dude. You lead the American League in hitting, and and you are into the Boston bullpen at that point. Mm-hmm. Porcello, who is marvelous on on Tuesday or on Monday night, is out of the game at that. And you are you have runners on first and second, and a reliever who's having some trouble. And yeah. you've just taken one pitch, swing away, swing away, <laughs> swing away. And that's what Rocco ba- Rocco yeah. Rocco said. Well, here's the interesting thing about that to extrapolate from from that isolated incident and this is where i'm really curious so rocco's like well we'll talk to him about yeah. you know and rocco was not happy but rocco's not going to get mad he just doesn't get mad no but what's interesting chip scoggins to me about that entire thing is this is the price of empowering people yeah which which i'm all for empowering employees is great mm-hmm. but then when they do their own thing and now you got to rein them in to be like uh, Jorge, I love you. And, and this is not the first time that he's tried to bunt. He likes to bunt. Um, how does that go? Because there there is a fine line between I want you to go out and do the best you possibly can, but I'm still your boss. Yeah, well, it, I would love to hear how he uh, – because there, there comes the times where a manager or coach whatever has to chew some butt, right? That's yes. But I wonder how he does it in a way because – 
But you how know, do you let them like know Rocco, that you're Rocco, in control, too? Like you know? Rocco, like, Judd, you could have five errors and be like, God, oh, boy, Judd had a tough night tonight, five errors. He's like, you know what? I thought he played pretty good out there. You know, it's like he's Greg never... Nettles, Brooks Robinson, <laughs> Judd. <laughs> he's never going to he's never going to criticize a guy, and and you, you appreciate that too. I mean, we we sort of joke about it, but he, that's just not his style. He is not going to flame guys in in the uh, publicly. But I, I would love to hear how he, his approach is because I mean, you obviously have to talk to Jorge. Then you say the same things you just said, it's like Jorge. You know, you're a great hitter. You're leading. You got more hits or you're leading hitter in American League. Right. I trust you more with the bat in your hand than just giving away an out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I bet he doesn't raise his voice. I bet he doesn't. No. You know? No, That's I think you're right. not his style. But it, it is interesting that his style, imagine his style with that clubhouse last year. It would have been awful. It wouldn't he, have worked. He, it takes accountability from players. And I, I talked to him. I did call him, um, I don't know how long, a month ago or whatever, but he – about that, how the cultures in there change, and people hate that word culture, but there's definitely a culture in that, and it's just you can't get around that word. Yeah, I mean, Pat Pat Royce hates it. it people but there's hate, no getting around it. But that's that's what it. I mean, you you walk in there, and it's just a different vibe or whatever you want to describe culture. But um, and he just says I, I, I hate rules. You know, his rules are whatever it takes to be ready to play. Yep. Be ready to play. Yep. Be accountable and respect your teammates. That's his rules. And so, if you want to take BP today, great. If you don't, that's cool too. If you want to take infield, that, that's fine too. Just be ready to play, man. That, and if you have, but if you have a good clubhouse with Cruz and Scope right. and Marwin Gonzalez and these guys that know how to police a team, yep, it totally works. It does, but but you're a dad, yeah, and you know you don't strike me as a hard ass dad, yeah. but. You, I, and I'm not a dad, so you, you could probably tell me this as, as a parent. You can give you know the kids a lot of leash here, yeah. but there probably does come a point in time where you got to pull it back a little bit and oh, be yeah. like, "Oh no, this is no, no, we can't be going there, can't be doing that." Yeah. So that's got to be, and, and I guess what I'm curious about is is how do you walk that very fine line of letting people know that they're empowered and they can, and you're going to give them a lot of of leeway here. But then when I say no, that means no. Yeah, well. You know, because if you're just a disciplinarian, then the kids are always like, okay, yeah, yeah, this is, I get that. I, I think they still, even though they, the players, like, love that he lets them do I think they still know he's their boss, right? And when he when he pulls you aside for something, I'm, yeah, sure, I'm sure it doesn't be like, ah, okay, whatever. No, I'm sure they're like, all right, this is my boss. And he lets us do a lot of things here, so I'm going to listen when he is. I guess chewing on me a little bit or whatever, how you want to constructive criticism or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, the the personalities in there, we don't, you know, we don't know them that intimately, but you, you get a pretty good sense. I think there are a lot of professionals in there. Yes. Right. You don't have the, you know, a bunch of jackasses that are young and immature, stuff like that. I mean, I think they have guys that like care about, being great and being good at their profession and, and carrying themselves in a certain Agreed. way. Agreed, yes. Rosario, even the young guys are Buxton. You think – Well, and Cruz and Gonzalez and Scope are not going to allow you to get away with a No, lot. but think about even like, like – They younger, chew your butt out. Like think about how hard a worker Buxton is and how great he yeah, has to be. Absolutely. Rosario, Polanco, I mean, those are guys that – Yep. You know, so they got a good they got a good vibe in your culture, whatever you want to describe. I know people hate that word, but it's a good deal. 
Interesting you mentioned some of the young players, because I'm going to read you a statistical line All right. of one Miguel Sano. Uh, last 10 games, so not a huge sample size, but an interesting one. He is hitting 179, but more importantly, he has 19 strikeouts in his past 39 at-bats. Mm-hmm. Here's my opinion here. Okay, I get the fact you're not going to trade him right now. It's not yeah. It's not possible. He doesn't have a value, really much to speak of, I don't think. If you're going to trade him, which I would eventually, it would be in the winter. But I do think that there comes a point in time here where, one, he probably should sit more. And, two, I think when you get to the playoffs, he comes off the bench for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't start. I start Marwin at third. I start. It's Buxton and Kepler in the outfield, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, and, you know, God bless him, Marwin can play all over the place, but I start Marwin at third, not because he is the world's greatest player, but because I know what I'm going to get. And your DH is? Cruz. Cruz, yeah. I can't start Miguel and Sano in the play. I can't. I can't. You, you, you could. You, and the thing is, yeah, he could pinch it for you. Or exactly. He could. And you know what? If he maybe strikes he DHs out. DHs one day, whatever. Yeah. But if he comes in and strikes, he's well, always going to swing like that. So if he connects, he might hit a long home it, run, and odds are he might strike so out. So was it. I've been traveling, so my days are screwed up. But was it over the weekend? He sat two straight days, right? I sat at least. I on the most current. I think he stand, sat him two straight days. Uh, he played. Let's say. Let's see here. He played June eleventh and twelfth, the first uh, two games against Seattle, or or in that series. He did not play in the third game, and then he didn't play over the weekend in one game against Kansas yeah. City. So, so yes, he has he has sat two. So Rocco's days. sitting him, and he, he'll tell you it's just for maintenance or rest or whatever. But I'm sure it's. They're trying to figure him out. And you're right. I would – you want Gonzalez in the lineup as yep. much as you can. And if a guy's not performing, that's the beauty of this this lineup and the depth of it where years past you just had to keep going out there because the options were – there were no options. Right? <laughs> and so don't have to bat what – Yeah, and you have – Fourth or fifth. And now you can bat him you have a great, seventh or eighth. And, and, and it's not like – because you have Cruz. Um, yep. It's not like you're like, all right, we'll just DH him or what, you know, just – but – yeah, I mean, until he figures it out, I would I would cut his playing time because I, I you have, have guys that are, guys that deserve to play. And it's funny because the Snow conversation involves a lot of passion from people about who hate him or or who like him a lot. I'm not that passionate about the conversation. I just think that we have uh, my my line about him for months now has been this: you just can't trust him. No, and as a player, you can't trust him. No. And I don't know, like Buxton f- feels like he's starting to figure it out because he's most definitely whatever it is he's done, whether he's mad or motivated or just swinging it. I know he's swinging at first pitch more, and he's not letting pitches go by, so he's being in attack mode. Doesn't doesn't seem like there's much adjustment of anything from Sano. It's just kind of going up and doing the same thing and walking back, strike. You know, the only he either time, hits it really far or he strikes out a lot. The only time Miguel Sano showed me, and I was super impressed at the time something was i believe he came up in 2015 yeah around july 1st of that year and he struck out a lot but i was really impressed because he seemed to have an approach at the plate yeah yeah and that approach has has disappeared and now it's okay he can hit some home runs in fact in the time span i gave you the last 10 games what did i give you 39 at bats yeah two home runs so he can hit some long home runs but when you have as little approach as he has now Mm -hmm. and when you're swinging like he is now and when you're playing on on a team with a lineup that has some some pretty smart approaches as well, mm-hmm. to me this now is glaring. So would you send him down to get at bats every day? 
I don't think I would at this point. No, I think I would. But you got to get him squared away. You got to. I don't know. No, but my point is, I don't know that you can. Yeah, I think he's going to. I think he's going to go through stretches where he hits home runs. Yeah, but I think this is who he is for his career. So I think if you send him to AAA, he's going to go down there and he's going to mash and hit home, home runs, yeah. and the pitching's not as good. But he's going to come back here, and I think he is. He is just. He is um, Adam Dunn, Dave Kingman from our childhood. I think that's just him, Chip. Oof. Yeah. I- and he can't. And the other problem is at third base, if he gets the ball, he's got a howitzer for an arm. Yeah. But he doesn't get the balls too. Yeah. Now he he made a nice backhanded play last night um, on the foul line, but I think he took two steps to make it. Yeah. But if he has to jump, he can't jump. Mm. He, so he can't get up, and he can't really move left. Not a lot of, yeah. And once yeah. in a while he get the ball, but yeah, I, I think it's not working is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think unless something you know dramatically turns around here, I totally agree with. They're going to have Gonzalez in the in the lineup. I mean, he's a, a well, veteran who's been through it. You're going to want him out there, right? And back to your point too about about the culture that Rocco and this team has cultivated. If you were to ask me a word to describe it, I'd call it professional. Yes, like it's a very professional. They they have fun, loose and professional. Right, if that, if that makes sense. Yes, <laughs> which it, which it doesn't unless you see it. Yeah, uh, but it's very professional. Yeah. And and Miguel Sano's approach to me is not professional. No, it just it's you know it's a softball. It, it, I'm going to swing out of my shoes, and I, I just he's the one guy that is sort of an outlier that I don't know what's going to work. Yeah, I do like the fact that he sits next to Cruz in the clubhouse for whatever that's worth. Obviously, it's not it's not really helping his approach at all. But yeah. you know, maybe something clicks with James Rouse and their hitting coach at some point because it's just. Well, and we've I, seen him have better approaches. That, like you said earlier in his career, I mean, he still struck out a lot, but you you felt like he had an approach. He, yeah, it, it felt like I don't know. if There's not such thing as a good at bat when you strike out, but at least it wasn't just going well, up there flailing. There right? might be. Yeah. No, if you're a young player and you're him, and the way that he approached at bats, I thought was pretty good. Yeah. But then they learned how to pitch to him, and ever since then. But I also so so to me. Sports, but if Buxton can figure it out, he can figure it out. Sports though is. Adjustment to adjustment to adjustment, right? Yeah. Well, he came up, they adjusted, and he's never readjusted. I know. Whereas I think Buxton has now. Like, Buxton's approach is um, Buxton always look, would watch the first pitch, right? Wouldn't swing at it. Then he'd swing at one out of the zone. He's 0-2. Okay, this is going to be a strikeout, right? Now he goes up there with an attack mentality. I think he's swinging at the first pitch like 35% of the time versus – his first couple of years, it was like 20% of the time. Yep. Now it's 35. That's a big jump. But you know what he's done? He's he, matured as a baseball player. Yeah. Miguel doesn't mature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to get inside his head and know like how much, you know, and we don't see how much work he's putting in and all that. But You can take a shot at it. I've tried. <laughs> I think he's an immature baseball player, and yeah. I don't – and I think he is – He he's a big – Human being who can hit long home yeah. runs and and is enamored with that fact and he's never and he's never taken that step. The problem is I see nothing indicating that he's taking that step. Yeah, with the Byron pro- there was never you. I said this last year there was never a question in my mind he wanted it. Yeah, and you just felt like he, he looking back on it now you feel like he had so many voices in his head he didn't know which way was up. Right, was and like him getting mad yeah. was maturing. Yeah. So when he said bleep all of you, I'm doing it my way, or yeah. or my dad's helping me. Yeah. Um, which ordinarily you'd be like, well, that's not great. But it in or, his case, yeah. being angry was then maturing. Yeah. 
and he went up there and started hacking. Which and Miguel's problem is he just goes up there and and it, he just hacks and it's it'll be sad though, Judd. Like if that's what his career is, is just a feast or famine guy because that's not what. But we've seen it. You've seen it, but that's not what the, he was billed as. No, I mean you thought he would be a guy, maybe not hit for a high average, but would hit for more. I mean he. But if my choices are what one of the two can come through and become a star, the Buxton for sure. It would always be Buxton, yeah, because of his defense. Yes, and, absolutely, and speed and all that. Yep. All right, Timberwolves. Uh, as I said, we're taping this on Wednesday. Timberwolves will be drafting on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there, there is a ton of speculation out there. Wiggy, can he be traded? Uh, there, there was a report that the Wolves are actively trying to shop him. Color me absolutely shocked <laughs> by that. I can't believe they're trying to trade yeah. Andrew Wiggins. Uh, also. Rumors circulating that the Wolves are trying to potentially clear cap space to get Carl Anthony Towns' buddy D'Angelo Russell here mm-hmm. uh, because they are re- the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, are reportedly going after Kyrie. Uh, your thoughts on all of so this? So did did uh, I'm coming in a little bit blind on this because I was out of pocket? But are Russell and did Russell and Towns grow up together? Uh, that I don't know. I don't I, think. I wonder so. where they become such good friends. Probably in probably in uh, rookies. Are they are they coming to? They didn't come do, in. As, do they cross each other in, in various camps? Yeah, as I don't know. Star young yeah, maybe players. High school, that's probably what it was. When I mean, that's where guys AAU camp. AAU, yeah, yeah. yeah Nike. Um, Gerson Rosas, if he is successful in trading Wiggins, will be the most popular executive since when? <laughs> I well, I said on on the Mackie and Judd with Rami show on Tuesday, I said. Does the parade just take place downtown <laughs> Minneapolis, or do we go down 94, closer down, and do we go from Minneapolis to St. Paul? And then I said, if they get D'Angelo Russell and trade Wiggy, oh, then the parade goes down yeah. 94. Yeah, then they have the bar. And it ends right in, fr- in front of the <laughs> X where they can celebrate as the Wild has no clue what they're doing these days. I know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I know they have a complicated financial uh, picture because of Towns and Wiggins' contract and and you know they have some. Jeff Teague makes a lot of money, right? So yeah, and he's, he's, I think he's one gone. year. He I think he's in. gone. Yeah, if you can either now or at the trade deadline, I got to imagine sure. you're unloading him. Um, so, well, I do get the sense that we had a um, a viewing party that Judd and I were at. Um, they for Game Six of the NBA playoffs, they had the new front office, some holdovers there with with Ryan Saunders and. Just talking to those guys, I think they are trying to turn this thing upside down. Don't, didn't you get that sense that they are just oh, in things they're doing? Don't you think it's very comparable to the Twins, though? 100%. In the sense that it's just an – I mean, you you were t- telling me some stuff that you heard, but it's not – you know, it goes so far beyond the scope of on the court. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's with the bio, bio – Yeah. Biomechanics and sleep and and, and – we probably don't even know a fraction of what they're trying to do. I was going to say term. we could try to describe it, and yeah, we'd probably get it all wrong. Yeah, just systems and processes. That's what. She, yeah. That's what she, but I, I do think that it would, you know if they could trade Wiggins, that would be because as much as Gerson says that you know they think that their style will unlock something to him, and they hired Vanderpool as assistant coach who has a track record. I just I don't see it happening. He's, Maybe I, I'm wrong, but I just don't no, see it. No, you know he's trying to trade him as yeah, a, I would, he should be. And he should be, yeah. So I, um, it'll be interesting to see how he – because, you know, I felt all along, if you couldn't trade Wiggins, if you can't trade him, that this is going to be a fairly 
long process as, as much as it is in the NBA anyways because you're just so hamstrung financially. It's not like you can just go form a super team contract-wise. It's just you, right. you don't have that possibility. But if you can trade Wiggins and somehow get D'Angelo Russell and then get pieces around those two, now all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, you know. And you, yeah. I'm not saying it's a championship team, but the, the timeline gets sped up a little bit. But you do have Cat, who is a superstar player. And Russell's, a, you know, yeah. he's an all-star. So the the one thing is the rebuild might take a little bit of time, but it's got its key piece. Yeah. It, which is the most important thing. Well, yes, you have your, your superstar, but I still think you've got to find a point guard. You gotta, sure. You gotta, that's, sure. That's the main, but once you do, it could this could come could fairly quickly. Yeah, if you could get, you know, Russell. Or, this does uh, feel like the Twins. I just think because it's so different than what we've, you know, the Twins and the, and the Timberwolves for years, it was the same old, same old. You know, even, you know, it just seemed like it was never really, th- I hate to never take it outside the box, but never really try anything radical. Yeah. I think these two have tried, <laughs> these two organizations are trying things that are radical for them. Maybe They're, not for their leagues, but radical for them. They, again, uh, the Twins and now the Wolves also are thinking in ways that we simply have never thought and don't think about. No. But that's where all of sports is going. Yeah. Analytics departments, you can scoff at them all you want. They become incredibly important. Yeah, and it's, the we, we have, think analytics in terms of like numbers, okay, what's the bat? No. But, it, but it's, a lot of the, like, Predicting injuries or predicting how sleep or or uh, how much nutrition and how much uh, just different bio your movements your movements they track yeah. your, they track your movements down to tell you exactly where where you're wasting yeah uh, unnecessary movements. Well, Wes Johnson, the Twins picture is big in biomechanics. They have those cameras all over Target Field, and that's one way. I mean, I know they got Martin Perez and Odorizzi to increase their velocity by a couple miles by something using, I don't know what, their hips or whatever. They, they right. Have. I mean, it's little things like that. And if you do enough of those things like that, they add up. And so um, I'm interested to see how Rosas's, um like, style of play, do they come out and are they is it dramatically different in terms of three-pointers, in terms of, you know, just – my guess is yes, wouldn't you think? I well, he's seen. I mean, we've heard him say modern basketball a thousand times since he's been here, and that, to me, that's they're going to shoot shooting threes and getting shots threes. at the rim, right? Because that's what Houston. If is. Wiggins is here, I think he will be taking that corner three all of the time, and that will be the shot he's told and to no, take. And, and you know, Ryan started that last year. Remember, cause he would when they play scrimmages, he would penalize it like a yeah. mid range jumper was worth negative two points or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to force him out of those habits. So yeah, I think they'll. I think just. The eyeball test, it'll it'll look different, but it'd be nice if they had different players that were <laughs> could, could could run those uh, could run that system. Yeah, but once you get okay, so so you've got Cat. You, you're right. You, you need a point guard. Teague eventually here is going to be yeah whoever your point guard is. But if they yeah if he can tra- if Gerson Rosas and that crew can trade Andrew Wiggins, they all deserve immediate raises. I just because that would uh, free would you up that? of such a who bird. would want that contract. All it takes is one. That's true, but well, all it takes is one guy to say, "Oh, I if I get my hands on you know Chip though." Well, there's sure, there's always a, those teams that exist that are, that are we will we'll figure them we'll out. We'll figure yeah. them out. Yep. Boy, Look at I that potential. Know. If if he can talk somebody into doing it, and even at this point, you probably have to take a bad deal, right, just to get rid of the contract. But you do it. 
I, I think at this point you do. I mean, you can't get completely, you know, taken to the cleaners on it. But if you can unload him and just basically start over, I, I think. If even, even if you over, feel like we're, even if you feel like this is not the greatest deal for us, but if you got if you if you got rid of Wiggy and got D'Angelo Russell in here and had Cat, oh yeah. your starting over would be. And by the way, the Western Conference is shifting. I think Houston's right now seems to be a complete well, mess. they're coming apart, yeah. They're coming apart at the seams. Gold State. Gold State's lost Clay. They're hitting pause. And Durant's going to be gone, and Durant's not going to play for a year because of the Achilles. The Lakers are now the interesting team because they got Anthony Davis from the Pelicans. And they'll sign another. And the Pelicans actually could be intriguing here with Zion and, what, the four pick. And, and three years from now, they might be pretty darn good. Or but the Western years, Conference is, is going – the dynamic of the whole Western Conference is going to change mm-hmm. here fairly quickly. Now, I'm not saying that you can compete immediately, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, in transition. I mean, I, I assume people are going to pick the Lakers. You know, you had those two, and they're going to sign someone else, so they're going to be the team this year. Um, Golden State's going to hit pause for a year, probably right until. It'll be interesting to see. How I know does Kate does somebody sign KD? That's not and just stash him. I don't. There are some people that think that he will be signed to a max deal and stashed, but at his age with an Achilles, I'd be a. You you you're, so you're gambling, but I, somebody will do it probably right just. Yeah, well, I was told because he's such a good shooter that he'll be fine. But I, I Achilles your legs, man. Achilles it's, scare me, man. Shooters need your legs, but I, I Achilles scare. Yeah, me. but modern medicine is a lot better than true. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to say the the Western Conference is wide open, but it's it's different. It feels it's, it's going to feel different. Absolutely. All right, sir, we're done. Kind of right, in trouble. We will uh, be back next week. Chip, the Chip Scoggins. I'll talk to you then.